This is the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. 1037 The Game's exclusive pro wrestling podcast. Making his way to the podcasting ring. Hailing from the heart of Cajun country. It's me. It's me. It's the world famous CD. Let's ring the bell and get this party started off right. And welcome everyone to the debut edition of the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. And it is great to be back inside the podcasting ring for the first time in ages. Of course, this is the exclusive pro wrestling podcast for Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 of the game. And I appreciate all the love about the podcast coming back and all the new followers we've gotten on the Cajun Strong Style Podcast Twitter page. At Cajun Strong Style. It's spelled a little differently. C-A-J-N Strong Style because the U wasn't going to be able to fit in the Twitter name limit. I did not realize it was a thing until recently. But of course, this isn't my first rodeo when it comes to wrestling podcasting. Of course, back in the day, we had the 20 by 20 Prographs podcast. And you know how much I love wrestling. But I had a bit of a burnout for a lot of different reasons. I had been running hard and not realizing that I needed to slow down. And I checked out of really doing a regular podcast and decided to let that die. And like a phoenix, the Cajun Strong Style Podcast has risen from the ashes. It's going to be a very different podcast as opposed to 20 by 20. Namely, I'm not going to swear nearly as much. And in the event that I do, and obviously these are going to be the, the dirty words, I can say hell, I can say damn, I can say ass, I can say all those, but... Maybe some of the other stuff that we said on the 20 by 20, we're not going to say on this one. It's going to be a little bit cleaner, a lot more fun, and dare I say a lot longer because we always call it a 20 by 20. We always wind up just going over like 20 times 20, like 40 minutes or so. We'd go, sometimes we'd go over an hour. Honestly, there's no time limit here. There's nothing but absolute fun. I'm not going to be dropping obscenities, no time limits. I've admitted that sometimes an hour-long podcast isn't my particular cup of tea, but if it gets to that point, I'm not complaining at all. And I think this week, the debut episode, there's a lot of things that I could talk about when it comes to how the Cajun Strong Style podcast is. And this week, we've got something really cool. And I'm going to try and do this every week for the main pot. Because when it comes to the pickums that we're going to do for pay-per-view weeks, which, by the way, we got NXT TakeOver in your house. It'll be coming up this Saturday. Right now, I'm actually taping this on the Saturday before NXT TakeOver in your house. I'll get somebody on. We'll talk about it, and we'll we'll give our picks, and we'll have a lot of fun with that. I'm looking forward to those. Those will be a little bit lighter. Those will just be straight-up conversations as opposed to me just doing some monologuing and interviews. But, again, I mention interviews every week, and I'm going to try and get one each and every week. And this week, I was absolutely over the moon about getting this guest. And that is Mike Quackenbush, founder of Chikara Pro Wrestling, and more importantly, just an overall great guy and veteran and student of the game. I loved our conversation we had. We taped it a few days ago, and it was just absolutely perfect. He nailed a lot of it. We're talking about some of the big headlines, what's going on with the promotion Chikara, when it comes to how they're being able to churn out content on a regular basis and everything in between. And I think you'll love some of the stuff that we talk about because I think that's kind of what I want to get into in terms of the overall theme of the show. And it's without a doubt something I think everybody's been talking about and it's been the most divisive thing when it comes to pro wrestling this week. And it's the fact that, you know, the old school way of thinking about how wrestling should be has kind of gone over the edge. And the fact that now in the last couple of months, we've seen a shift, a pivot, if you will, when it comes to the changes in pro wrestling and how it's being presented 
We saw it at WrestleMania with two nights of really great show, and then they want to book ending it and ending the show with a cinematic match for both nights. Undertaker AJ Styles, the Boneyard match, was really probably the biggest highlight of WrestleMania weekend in a weekend where, honestly, we weren't sure if we were going to have WrestleMania, but lo and behold, the WWE got it together and were able to consider themselves essential employees, thanks to the state of Florida. And then you had the Firefly Funhouse match. The Money in the Bank match at Titan Towers was absolutely amazing and hilarious. It worked so well. Honestly, they nailed it with a lot of the things that happened over the last few months. Because the pandemic has changed a lot of these things. And obviously, AEW, just not this Saturday, but the last. Double or nothing. Possibly one of the coolest matches I've ever seen. Stadium Stampede, it was a really awesome moment in pro wrestling's history books that everybody's going to wind up being divisive about. And it's going to continue to be that way for quite some time, I think, because of the fact that not it's not everybody's specialty. It's not everybody's personal like thing. They, not everybody's going to like what they see in pro wrestling. I understand that. And I've been a fan since the very late 90s, so I know when something's bad, I know when something's really good. In this case, I think I'm kind of like the guy that doesn't mind saying, hey, I'm going to dip my toe in all kinds of different types of wrestling. That's my kind of big point here is I like to watch like a really cool, you know, technical match like a Omega Okada, those six, seven star matches. They're amazing on their, in their own right. They're two out of three falls match. I can watch a Brian Danielson Match from his peak ROH days, Danielson Gulak from a few few weeks ago on SmackDown. That was fun. That was entertaining. I like a lot of different things. Lucha Libre, technical wrestling, even something like the Final Deletion. That's a cinematic match. Doesn't take itself so seriously, but it's fun. And that's what wrestling I think is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be taken like super seriously. It's supposed to be taken like lightheartedly. You're supposed to have fun watching it. But of course, there's certain people in the wrestling circles, of course. One can obviously bring up Jim Cornette and what he said on his podcast, and he he eviscerated that entire thing. And don't get me wrong, he has every right to eviscerate that because that's his opinion. But I'll say this to that, and it's just the fact, like, I feel like with Jim Cornette, the old school way of thinking is how he's always been. I mean, literally, I could it's a meme at this point, the fact that Jim Cornette is the boomer of professional wrestling. He is the boomer, doesn't want to change his view of professional of the sport. And honestly, I get it. You know, he wants to have things back to where it was back when he was a kid. He's living through those nostalgic glasses because that's what wrestling was. But here's the thing. Pro wrestling has changed significantly over the last 30 years, since the 90s. I'd probably say the mid to late 90s when you heard Vince McMahon utter those words, sports entertainment, whenever you saw the big documentaries that kind of opened up everything, that busted wide open all the secrets of the business and exposed that, hey, kayfabe isn't, isn't a thing. Kayfabe is not how wrestling is. Wrestling isn't real. It's predetermined. But guess what? That's the way wrestling is now. And, if, and to me, I think if you embrace it because of the fact that the secret's out, you'll never get that back. You'll never get you'll never bring back kayfabe because now that everybody knows, the secret's out. You would pretty much need a Men in Black-esque thing to happen. Basically, everybody's memory's white of everything that's happened over the last 30 years, and then you realize pro wrestling, and you're convinced that pro wrestling is 100% real, or at least somewhat real. And the injuries are real, don't get me wrong, but it's the fact that you know what the end result is going to be. 
And my whole thing when it comes to the cinematic matches is why not embrace that from time to time? Obviously, you can't do this every single week because it would it got watered down and you run into the same problems that you've seen in recent years, especially like TLC matches. Remember when TLC matches meant something and it meant like an amazing match and you knew what you were getting into and it was going to be a rare occurrence? Hell in a Cell matches. Remember how those were the big payoffs to great big feuds? You can say the same about steel cage matches, street fights, everything in between. Things have gotten watered down to a point where now we're desensitized to a Hell in a Cell, a tables, ladders, and chairs match, a ta- even a ladder match or a steel cage match. A steel cage match is treated like a main event on a regular show instead of, oh, hey, we're going to put this on our biggest show of the year and pretty much push everything forward we're going to push everything forward and be able to give this the big payoff it deserves or a loser leaves towns match a last man standing we've seen those so many times on tv it's lost a little bit of its meaning that's my thing it's like those matches have been overdone and overrun and they used to mean something now they're used as a stepping stone for some of these main event mid-card feuds look at the last two years the main event of a pay-per-view called hell in a cell and you'll realize there is a big, big problem. It's the fact that nobody cares. Nobody's emotionally invested anymore in Hell in a Cell matches. But these cinematic matches are changing the way we're viewing pro wrestling in 2020. Now, I think it works best in its own little bubble. For instance, Final Deletion, Boneyard Match, Firefly Funhouse. If they put all those in one show, it would be overdone. I think if you do one every now and again, and of course, during these pandemic times, you're get, you're having to get like a hundred times more creative. And I think eventually we'll get burned out of it. But at the same time, it'll still mean something because I feel like the WWE and AEW and all these other promotions aren't going to do them nearly as much once this pandemic is over. That being said, you know, what I, both major companies have done as of late is great all on their own. And you can't grade this on the same scale that everybody marks out about it. And we're, of course, we're talking about the Meltzer five-star scale. It's more along the lines of either you like it or you don't. If you don't like the cinematic or move or goofy matches, that's fine and dandy. Now, if you just plain old hate watch something just because and something that you know you're not going to like, then I can't help you. Change the damn channel, pal. Like it, Because there's so many different things out there in wrestling. Obviously, Lucha Libre, uh, Strong Style, King's Road, technical matches, submission-based, comedy wrestling. And if that's not for... if that if, Comedy wrestling isn't for you. Change the channel. You know, there's all kinds of great stuff and old school wrestling done right. The NWA, I think, is nailing it and doing what like pro wrestling looked like back in the day, and they're doing it right, as opposed to trying to turn back the clock to the 1970s when kayfabe was real and we thought these guys were legitimately hating each other. There's a lot of different questions surrounding this, but I think right here, right now, there's a lot of people like getting mad over the fact that, you know, wrestling is being exposed. The business is is exposed. The business has been exposed for years. You just look at how things have been presented by WWE, by AEW. You know these matches are predetermined, but does it matter anymore about the fact that there's has to be kayfabe? There has to be an insistence on kayfabe and two wrestlers who are feuding against each other can't be seen on camera with each other? I'm sorry, that's just not going to happen, especially in the days of social media. There's no way that social media, kayfabe would have lasted if social media was around 20, 30 years ago. And I think everybody could agree with me on that statement. 
But of course, one of the things I like the analogy of, and Vince McMahon kind of took this analogy, but I'm going to run with it a little bit more. When you go to the grocery store, you see all kinds of different types of ice cream. Vanilla, Rocky Road, Cookies and Cream, Great Divide, even King Cake and Sherbert. You got all these kind of different types of ice cream. And some of them you'll like, some of them you won't like. But here's the thing. Nobody's forcing you to enjoy the single type of wrestling. Think about that wrestling matches as types of ice cream. There's there's the old school. That's like vanilla ice cream. Vanilla ice cream is good, but sometimes you want a little Rocky Road. Sometimes you want some Sherbert. Sometimes you want some cookies and cream. Personally, I'm more of a vanilla or cookies and cream guy. But here's the thing. I don't mind enjoying pro wrestling all kinds. Because it takes all kinds to make this pro wrestling world move round and round. Because if we're still doing the old school type wrestling, wrestling wouldn't exist in its current form right here, right now. I don't think we'd see the major TV deals for old school wrestling. Because it just does not work. You can't stay the same forever. You have to evolve. And this is another step in the evolution of pro wrestling in my mind. And hopefully you're kind of in the same boat. For the latest interview on the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. It is my absolute pleasure to have as the first ever guest of the Cajun Strong Style Podcast, it is this man. He is the founder of Chikara and also the Wrestle Factory and has been in the business for 26 years. And of course, we're talking about Mike Quackenbush. Mike, how's it going? Hey. It's going all right. How are things down Louisiana way? Oh, they're absolutely fantastic. And you mentioned to me whenever we were kind of putting this interview together, you had a visit with a dentist. Did that go well? And safe to say it wasn't Isaac Yankum DDS? Thankfully, it was not. However, <laughs> it was quite brutal. And uh, I'm still under a certain, like, dental quarantine. I can't eat anything for another hour. And it's making me cranky, Clint. Well, I can about imagine it's going to make you cranky. Hopefully, you being on the show for a little bit can kind of subside a little bit of that. But, you know, how much has changed for the Chikara promotion over the last few months since this pandemic has really hit stateside? Because you talked about a quarantine just in terms of dental quarantine, but for just the quarantine in general and how things have changed when it comes to the Chikara promotion, how how y'all are able to put content out. Yeah, we were somewhat lucky in that we had started planning for our new Saturday morning series, Chikara's Action Arcade, at the end of last year, which is part of how we were able to keep putting episodes out. Our ninth episode comes out Saturday morning. So it's only because we happened to be working in advance on this project that we went into it prepared for it to try and make it sound like we were preparing isn't entirely true. Um, it's just that we had a project that we were preparing And then all of a sudden, wrestling, for the most part, ground to a complete halt. So in this period of time when, unfortunately, a lot of wrestling companies aren't able to do the thing that we all love to do, we were able to at least continue to put something out on a week-to-week basis, and that's Chikara's Action Arcade. And I have to say, that was kind of what I wanted to get to next, because I saw that like immediately. It's like Saturday morning. It's like a Saturday morning cartoon. It just the way it's marketed and everything. And I absolutely love the fact y'all are putting that together on Chikaratopia. What was kind of the, the basis of that idea? Was it, be, be, like I mentioned, kind of a Saturday morning cartoon show come to life? Well, when I first started watching pro wrestling, it would be 
Saturday mornings, right after cartoons yeah. were over, I knew when Spider-Man and his amazing friends was over, it was time for WWF Challenger superstars. So to me, that was always part of the ritual of just enjoying wrestling. And now, here we are, Chikara's more than 18 years old. A lot of the projects, the really ambitious things I wanted to do, were experiments I wanted to try. I've had a chance to do all of those. And it became really important for me, as the guy who sets the creative vision for the whole group, to reconnect to what made me fall in love with pro wrestling. It's so easy to get jaded, to feel embittered, or to become detached from it and feel like this isn't the thing that I love anymore. And so it was really important for me, even if we're just kind of taking the broad strokes of the way that it's very lighthearted, it's very colorful, and it's deliberate counter-programming against these shows that run two or three hours long. It tends to be 55 minutes in duration, it's really meant to kind of capture that era of wrestling that I loved best. Kind of like back in the days when you had the wrestling always start on Saturdays at 6.05 after a Braves game or something along those lines. I, I, I like that a lot because it just it harkens back a lot like what we're seeing with the National Wrestling Alliance. It harkens back to the good old days, but under a whole new coat of paint. That's right, yeah. You know, it might look like it is, uh, familiar, and yet the, the engine is, is uniquely modern. I, I feel that way when I watch NWA Power, right? Like, it certainly indulges a lot of familiar-feeling tropes, and yet the engine inside that machine is still modern wrestling. And, you know, when it comes to y'all, and I think obviously everything going on with the COVID-19 pandemic and probably independent wrestling as a whole, like, when do... When, are y'all expecting to kind of start getting back to at least some form of normalcy? Because obviously nothing will truly be normal again, at least for the next 12 to 18 months. But when do y'all expect to see it become a little bit more commonplace to where y'all can actually have live shows, even if it's without fans? Well, of course, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Up here, yeah. um, just as recently as last Friday, the governor of Pennsylvania had said, there will be no live events with large gatherings permitted until the vaccine is in circulation. So, of course, all the pro wrestling companies were kind of looking at each other, saying, do you interpret that the way I interpret that? Because if that's the case, and, you know, right now, if we're only allowed to have whatever it is, 10 or 25 people in a space, whatever exactly it is right now, does that mean we've got to start making wrestling within these guidelines? And I know I'm not the only person who's asked himself that. And I think this is an opportunity to really get creative. I know a lot of people pointed to the Boneyard match at WrestleMania as if it was some kind of like glimmering innovation, this cinematic wrestling. And yet, this is exactly what Inoki did with his island death match in 1978. This concept is decades old, but maybe now it is finally reaching a point where it could find mass acceptance. It's not a niche thing or like, you know, one of those cult movies that you got to go sifting in the back rack of your, you know, blockbuster video or things like that from a day gone by, when if you wanted to find the obscure films or you wanted to enjoy, like, weird wrestling, you had to hunt for the tapes, you had to look for those DVDs. Now it may become mainstream. And, you know, I, one of the things I kind of was blown away by, I saw this the other day on Twitter, is the fact that Chikara's been around for 18 years. This was two days ago, the anniversary, 18 years ago. How proud must you be, not only for the fact that promotion's been around for about two decades, but seeing a lot of talent like a Claudio Castagnoli, now they call up Cesaro, and all the other guys who have went through those hallowed halls and are now part of some of the other premier organizations like AEW and WWE? 
Well, I'm, I'm very proud of my trainees. Um, when I look at the long list of people that graduated from my wrestle factory or people I trained outside of my wrestle factory from my travels around the world teaching pro wrestling, I take a great degree of pride. I often wondered, you know, when I started out, um, how would I feel? It was inevitable that my students eventually would just eclipse me. And I wondered, like, would I feel jealous? Is that what I would feel? But the truth is, I, I just feel very proud of them. Talk right now with founder of Chikara, Mike Quackenbush, right now on the Cajun Strong Style podcast. And, you know, we talked about a little while ago about what the Boneyard match, Firefly Funhouse, even most recently over the weekend, Stadium Stampede at Double or Nothing, those kind of like more cinematic takes we've seen a lot of these pro wrestling promotions kind of do. I mean, we saw Matt Hardy a few years ago kind of bring that to the forefront stateside with the final deletion. You brought up Anoki and the Island Death matches. Do you see this being more of an evolution in the sport of professional wrestling? Well, it may kind of be like it's an offshoot in and of itself. It's not unlike when a musical genre subdivides. Um, and I think that that might be the case here. You might be seeing pro wrestling, which I think is already subdivided into sports entertainment. I think sports entertainment is its own subgenre. It prioritizes what the end television product looks like over prioritizing the experience of the live fan in the house. Maybe we are seeing yet another subdivision, which is what that looks like in the complete absence of a live audience. This might be sports entertainment's manifest destiny creeping onto our screens right now. And I like the way you put that. It's creeping onto our big screens, and we're seeing it more and more. And, you know, it makes you kind of question, could you see this be a entire program, be it for y'all or from one of the other major promotions? Could you see an entire show built around cinematic matches and somehow, some way it would work? Or is it best in its kind of small doses in its own contained, I guess, universe? Well, I think to that end, Glow on Netflix is sort of the answer to that. Um, it, it had a finite span, and yet, for the most part, I found Glow to be brilliant. And I was certainly much more invested in what happened to those characters, even in the episodes where the wrestling was negligible at best, than I am with most of the major output being put on by the biggest wrestling companies on Earth. Um, I was way more invested in Glow uh, and like I said, like the, the matches at times were the least significant part of that show. It just comes down to stories and characters. And if this is a vehicle for telling compelling stories with really bold characters, then it will find an audience. Now, whether or not that's a gigantic audience, whether that audience wants it at all times, that I think only time will tell. I'd have to agree with you. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed has been, and you brought up the subdivisions, you brought up the divides. I think there's a great divide among some of the old school wrestling purists and seeing these cinematic matches. Why do you think this hasn't necessarily been received as well and been a very divisive topic amongst old school fans? Well, I grew up as a comic book fan, even before I was a pro wrestling fan. So I know these two very argumentative fan bases, and the same is true of both. You tend to remember most fondly whatever the craft was like when it captured your imagination. And if the wrestling that you fell in love with was territorial wrestling from the late 1970s, then, of course, 
You want wrestling that feels most like that. And what's on television these days, for the most part, does not feel like that at all. So I just see it as an expression of what they're feeling in that this no longer resembles the thing that I once loved. And you know what? Like, people go through that, right? We go through that in relationships. You might discover that the person that you're with is not someone that you love anymore, and you're going to make a decision. Do I stay with this person, or do I go out there and try and find someone new that might make me happy? And I don't have a lot of empathy for people who feel like all they want to do is complain about the state of things rather than lauding the innovation that's taking place. If this is the thing that brings you such misery and sadness, well, maybe it's time for you to break up with wrestling. I'd have to agree with that kind of statement wholeheartedly because I'm just a person who enjoys all these different things, be it Lucha Libre, like Chikara puts out, all the stuff that we've seen with the cinematic matches. It's different, and it's like a buffet. You get to ha- If you can have all your great stuff, like your technical matches, Lucha Libre, everything in between, and have these cinematic matches in there, I'm going to be full like a tick and enjoying what I'm seeing right now in the sport of pro wrestling. But I want to flip it over towards you because I saw this pop up. I was going down to YouTube YouTube wormhole last night preparing some questions and some content for the podcast and found you have a channel that came out a while back till we make it. And it's amazing content, not only for a lot of pro wrestlers just getting started and understanding kind of how the business is in 2020, but also could relate to a number of different professions, namely a recent video you put out that kind of hit me a certain way, social media and mental health. What's been the reception for the Till We Make It channel on, on YouTube and the content as a whole? Well, my mission there is to provide information to people when they need it. There are so many aspiring performers, and I realize that means something broader than just professional wrestlers. If you make a podcast, if you are a musician, maybe you're a stand-up comic. You perform in all kinds of different ways, and all of us need mentorship. All of us need the benefit of experience. And when I was coming up, I did not have a mentor or coach available to me, sometimes when I needed that most of all. I think for that reason, I failed to achieve some of my biggest career goals. And for those coming behind me, the next generation, I don't want them to fail for lack of the knowledge or experience that I have. I would rather present it as clearly and concisely as I can through my Till We Make It YouTube channel so that they will have it not just now, but after I'm dead and buried. And I think all the stuff that you mentioned in in these videos were absolutely fantastic. Again, the social media one really kind of hit a certain way because I think now more than ever, especially when you look at some of the bigger promotions and the bigger promotion stars, and more recently in the case of the late Hanukkah Mora, and we saw all the cyberbullying she had, I think that was absolutely like perfectly timed. And it was directly in response to that. The morning that I woke up and that news was breaking, every method by which someone could send me a message was overflowing. Um, There was just no one knew what to do with what they were feeling upon discovering that this brilliant star, just 22 years old, had taken her own life. And a lot of people were looking at social media as the culprit. And while I appreciate that instinct, I understand why, I wanted to put something out there that would help give people a perspective, but also teach them, you have the power to shape that experience for yourself. Um, that, and including the one I just put out this afternoon, are very much in response to the outcry I heard from my fellow wrestlers over the last five days.
Talk right now with Mike Quackenbush, the founder of Chakara. And let's have some fun on the way out of here. I'm going to consider this the equivalent of inside the actor's studio and throw you some five rapid-fire questions. First off, obviously, we got to go with it. Favorite match you've ever been a part of? The favorite match I've ever been a part of was against Cesaro, Claudio Castagnoli, at the Ted Petty Invitational in 2006. It's just nine minutes and change. You can find the whole thing on YouTube. I think it is the exhibition of me at my athletic peak. All right, so just so people can know, is this the one where y'all had that crazy finish with the powerbomb roll-through and Cesaro pinned you for the finish? Yes, your memory serves you right. It is sometimes recirculated under the title, Greatest Match Finish Ever. And it really is like quite good when it comes down to it. What's the favorite match that you've seen, be it in person or on television? Um, my favorite match, wow, that I've seen in person or on television, uh, definitely in person, nothing has moved me quite the way that El Generico against the one 2 3 kid did, which was on the final night of King of Trios, I guess it was 2011, and part of it was just the process of watching Sean Waltman transform back into the one two three kid, a figure of inspiration from my youth, and then go out to the ring and wrestle as if he was 15 years younger. It was outstanding and very emotional. PC or console? Oh, I'm a console guy. I'm same here. It's always interesting to kind of see how people are. I know you'll have the Chikara Action Arcade Wrestling. It's out on Steam and several different consoles right now. So that's going to be some really cool stuff if you haven't checked it out yet. Biggest regret of your professional career? My biggest regret of my professional career, perhaps, is that I never made it to the Super J Cup. Um, Although this tournament is most typically staged by New Japan Pro Wrestling, it has been hosted by other companies at times. Um, and I, I lament the fact that I, I've never made it to the Super J Cup. In my mind, that is bigger than WrestleMania. That is the pinnacle. And for someone who's spent his whole career as a freelancer, as just an independent wrestler, it would be the absolute high watermark. And I never made it. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the Pearly Gates? <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, man. I have no idea. That, that's such a this is a sweeping question. What does God say at the the pearly gates? Um, I, I haven't the slightest idea. I, I'm flabbergasted by this question. Hopefully, when I get there, though, the coffee is free. <laughs> I'm sure it's absolutely free, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on as the first guest of the Cajun Strong Style podcast. And before you head out, I'll give you a minute to go ahead and promote anything else that I've left out in the conversation because I think I've touched damn near everything. But employ the people how to support Chikara and all the wrestlers involved. Sure. Uh, well, as you mentioned, our new video game is out. If you love retro video games, the old WWF WrestleFest arcade machine, check out Chikara Action Arcade Wrestling. It's on Steam, and later this year, it's coming to the console. It's been submitted for approval already, so that slow process has begun. It's great fun. Uh, my ninth book, my most recent one, just came out for the Kindle. It's called Toolbox, Building Better Pro Wrestling. And I believe this, even just for wrestling fans, the more you understand how challenging this art form is, the more you will appreciate it. And Toolbox, Building Better Pro Wrestling, might have been written for pro wrestlers. But the truth is I put all this information, like my Till We Make It channel, out there in the public eye because I want everybody to love and appreciate pro wrestling as much as I do. 
All right, Mike, one more. Th- you kind of wanted me to bring up one more question. You talked about Chikara Action Arcade Wrestling. When is that coming out on the Switch? Right, have you all started to get the approval for that? or? Well, that part, I must admit, I don't know. I know the development team is working very hard to find out exactly what requirements they have to satisfy to be able to port it out to different consoles. But that's kind of several levels removed from where I'm at. And those developers, they're under no obligation to tell me anything. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, again, thank you so much. I'll talk to you down the road, and best of luck in the future. All right, Clint. Thanks so much. Appreciate Mike Quackenbush coming on the podcast as the debut guest of it. I was amazed to get him, and you know, I just shot my shot, threw it out there, and I'm glad I did. Hopefully, you've been enjoy- you enjoyed that as well. But I'm going to go ahead and kind of rapid-fire some things your way when it comes to the big headlines that happened over the last week or so. Double or Nothing was absolutely fantastic. I'll give you my best and worst matches of the night. And Stadium Stampede will stand on its own. It's a great just overall thing. It's not a, I, I wouldn't consider it a match because it's not really a match-match per se. It was more of a cinematic brawl, and it was damn good at what it did. I just don't consider it. I'm not going to put it. In consideration because it's hard to compare it. It is literally apples to oranges, especially when it comes to who likes it and who doesn't like it. But my worst match of the night had to have been Cody versus Archer. And a lot of it had to do with, and I rewatched it because I actually put this in the poll on our Twitter account at Cajun Strong Style, C A J N Strong Style, all one word. And I, I observed something. And here's what I observed the fact that you had the it's amazing to me the fact that you had a match go as long as it did and it didn't need to go that long the fact that it went as long as it did wasn't bad per se it was more about the fact that the match one went long and two it stalled out in like the final five minutes the way that Arn Anderson rope walk spot went where Arn tried crotching him like that was a is botched a hundred percent of the way. Because it was too much time between Jake Roberts getting thrown at and coming back. Very much it was overly complicated. The the ending. The, it was overbooked the ending of the match. They could have done without it, to be honest. But again, great first half, second half, just really underwhelmed for me. But when it comes to the best match from double or nothing outside of Stadium Stampede. I got to go with Jungle Boy MJF because it was that damn good. It was old school wrestling where you had a true heel and a white hot baby face because that is realistically what you think about when you see a guy like Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy is pretty much the biggest baby face in AEW's company right now because he's got he's got the good looks and more importantly, he's got an ability to really wrestle and just 100% go. And I have to respect what they did with him in that match. MJF looked fantastic. The way they did some of those spots, stuff I hadn't seen before, and it was just really well done and creative. Those slaps, you could tell there was a lot of heat. Even though this match was like built up two weeks ahead of the pay-per-view, but it outshone a lot of the stuff that was on the card. The, the match with Hikaru Shida and Nyla Rose was great, but I felt like there was something missing. I felt like there was like it wasn't as much heat. And you didn't get to see a huge comeback. 
when it comes down to it, that was something that kind of like surprised me. They did not go for like a full blown like rallying cry for Hikaru Shida, and I wish they did because it would have wound up putting her over way more down the road. And then you look at John Moxley, Brody Lee. It was a fun match. It was a damn like it was really good. And you know people complain about the fact that they didn't disqualify or countouts. Here's the thing. I think what AEW is doing, especially when it comes to their titles, is using like loose rules to make sure they don't have like a DQ finish or a countout finish. Because you think about it, if there's a countout finish for a match that's got a lot of heat to it, people are going to be pissed off because nobody's going to like the fact that that's what happened. I think what they did was absolutely perfect, and I'm sure that's what they're going to be doing going forward. You just look at the way that this whole thing goes. It's a smart way to go about it when it comes to the sport of professional wrestling. Now I'm going to flip over to the WWE for a minute, and I've got a lot of thoughts on what they've done this week. So the fight pit is where I want to start off because the fight pit was absolutely amazing. So the fight pit was probably one of my favorite things just heading into it because they were like, oh, it's a cage match. It's a cage match. I'm like, why not do a Lion's Den match? Why not bring that back for one night? And they kind of did. Kurt Angle is a special referee with Matt for the Matt Riddle-Timothy Thatcher fight pit match. It was something I think we desperately needed. It wasn't cinematic in any way, but it was a down and out just brawl. It was fun to see some of the moves they were putting together. The O to, I believe it was Bret Hart and a Kurt Hennig match where he basically was trying to flip over. It was, there was so much that was well done in that match. I feel like I'd pro, if I did a match of the week gimmick, that would be at the top of the list when it comes down to it. And I absolutely loved the way everything went in that match. And the right man won because now Matt Riddle is on the blue brand. It felt like all but like eventually it was an eventuality. And now we got to see the man himself become a SmackDown superstar. And hopefully down the road, we get that Goldberg match. Maybe just maybe SummerSlam fingers and fingers and toes crossed. I would hope so. And Matt Riddle finally beats Goldberg and Goldberg can kind of ride off into the sunset knowing he got beat by the young stallion. And honestly, Anything that he does, bro, I am all in on it. But, of course, one other thing, and this actually happened, again, taping this on Saturday, is the fact that the WWE did a, I guess, a drunk driving angle. I I would presume that's how it was written in, is the fact that they did a drunk driving angle with Jeff Hardy. Why did they do that? They did not need to do that. There was no necessary need to really put anything over and do that the way that they did. It was disappointing, underwhelming, and made me kind of like wonder what's going on with the WWE and why are we going this route with this kind of like, I'd say almost trash TV. That's what it felt like to me. Hopefully they can right their wrongs with this because it was just a mess of a show. And more importantly, it was just an absolute joke to see Jeff Hardy portrayed the way he was. With the fact he's got addictions, he's dealing with personally, and they're putting that all out there. It felt like the Road Warrior Hawk gimmick from like the late 90s during the Attitude Era when they pushed him off the Titan Tron. Please don't ever do... Please just drop the angle when it comes down to it because it's just... It's cringy. It's cringe-worthy, to say the least. But hopefully you've been able to enjoy some of the stuff that's been put out this week because I think there was still like some great positives you saw a lot of great content. Being the elite this week was absolutely great. Carneyland is still crushing it when it comes to quarantine content from the NWA. Even Dynamite after Double or Nothing was good. The 
pull apart brawl for Jericho and Tyson. Could that lead to something in the ring? I hope not, but I'm sure they're going to probably try and do something at Fighter Fest, which was supposed to be the UK debut of AEW, which would have been really badass, but, you know, COVID-19 had other words to say about it. And I'm going to go ahead and end the podcast with some thoughts, with some final thoughts, and every week I'll probably do this a little more serious, not part of the regular programming, if you will, but go a little bit serious here. Hanukkah Mora passed away last, fr- I believe this is on Saturday morning, if I'm not mistaken, at the age of 22. And I've been seeing a lot of people say it. I think it's the right way to go about it. People need to stop cyberbullying. This stuff needs to end. Because, I mean, it, it needed to end a long time ago, but when you see somebody like that that was 22 years old, had, the, had her whole life ahead of her, and she was on Terrace House, a very popular Japanese show, and then, like, she takes her own life at the age of 22. It is absolutely disgusting. And I hope that people can realize, like, these w- words can hurt no matter if it's to their face or through a keyboard. It's, like, doing that is not the way to go about it. And hopefully we get th- we get a step in the right direction. And I always say it, be excellent to each other. It comes from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I think with a combination of that, everything that happened in Minneapolis earlier this week. I got to say, I think it's time for us all to kind of like be excellent to each other and not be jerks, not be a-holes, not be the heels and cyber bully people to the point where they take their own life. There's no way where like this should be in 2020 or any other year should even be remotely close to acceptable. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Cajun Strong Style, C-A-J-N Strong Style, and leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast gimmick, be it Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasting from. Make sure you leave us a review. And if you're in the Tokyo Dome, leave us a six-star review, and we'll talk to you on Thursday. That's right. We're doing an in-depth preview of NXT TakeOver in your house. That'll be dropping on Thursday at 1 o'clock. That's kind of a bonus episode. On pay-per-view weeks, we'll be doing an extra episode on Thursdays. And on Mondays, we'll be doing like a regular full-blown episode with a guest interview and everything in between. I will talk to you next time. Make sure you keep listening into the Cajun Strong Style Podcast and all the great stuff 103.7 The Game can offer you.